chapter 5. If ever a Bible you use, whether it's a Bible app or something similar, I think the words are going to come up on the screen soon. 1 John chapter 5, we've got to read for verse 11. Excuse me. But before we get into that, um, it's going to apologize. Last week I maybe touched on something that was quite strong in verging on heresy, and somebody picked me up on it after, very graciously after the service. So during the announcement on getting helpers, um, I had said that I was driving and I'd seen the geese emigrate somewhere else in the shape of an arrow. Apologize, there wasn't emigrating. They were just nipping out for some dinner. It's going to, I didn't say nothing else last week that could have been controversial. So I pull, if I offended on do we, my assumptions, I should have known better, I should have studied better, but they weren't emigrating. If I was them, I would emigrate during, but I'm not a goose. And uh, they were just gone for a feed. So sorry. Sorry, but if you're a goose lover and you can't, uh, and maybe distracted you for the hell message, stuff like that. Unreserved apology. 1 John chapter 5. What's that? Is that somebody phoning to rebuke me? Just hang up. Marie, I think it's for you. <laughs> Is it for you? You want me to get it? Well, answer it. Put on loudspeaker and answer it. Let's see if I was phoning during church. I'll answer. Hello, it's a pastor. I've disturbed him in the hell service. No, it's okay. Okay. 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to change the title of this message. It was going to be clarity within the mystery. We have covered a lot of topics uh, over the last few months being on 1 John. John has told us about Jesus being our advocate. He forgives our sins. He has told us about how to live a life of love and their life of hate. He's told us some difficult stuff as well, how to deal with the spirit of the Antichrist, the devil, that the world has got to offer. The world and its desires pass away, but the person who does the will of God lives forever. He's did some really challenging stuff. But now we're coming to the end of the, his letter. And he's trying to bring some clarity within some mysterious subjects. It's good to get clarity within the mystery. But as I was praying this morning and really gone through my notes, this is really a good night kiss. Um, words of affirmation. One parent will tell you, even during days of chaos, again, you probably think that my kids are perfect and angels look after them while I'm doing other stuff. But what Parenthood is challenging, and no matter how challenging things get through the day, and this is John, his church has gone through some challenging stuff, and he's trying to sort out what is going on. Some people was within the church that didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They left, and he was basically saying, cheerio, we're going to have to get on with things and love here. But he's coming to the end and that's this world's affirmation, and he keeps on repeating, you may know, 
you may know, you may know. And as a parent, you have to deal with stuff through the day, like discipline and try to get them to eat the right food and they don't listen and they just want to do their own thing. And you have to try and get them off of YouTube and do homework and stuff like that. But see, at the end of the day, when you put them to bed, what is it you say to them? Love you. It doesn't matter how you feel about them <laughs> at that point. It doesn't matter what they've done to you through the day or what they've done to the teachers through the day. It doesn't matter how they have messed up through the day and what you have sought to correct. At the end of the day, you put them to bed with words of affirmation. Love you. Let's say our prayers. Let's ask God Almighty for all the forgiveness that's happened throughout the day before put the heat on a pillar and they get good dreams every single night. And it's the same in a marriage. You kind of go to bed angry with each other. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Doesn't matter if it's happened through the day. Doesn't matter how much you've annoyed her or how much she's annoyed you. Doesn't matter the clashes, the compromises. They try to work stuff out. <laughs> Isabel's not here, I can say that right. <laughs> You've got to go to bed nefected. If you do that, it's a disaster. You'll lack sleep, you'll have a bad dream, and you're still not waking up in a good humor. You're waking up still fected. And you will not even maybe understand or remember that the fact was about, but you will still can or something that's not sitting right. I'm still annoyed at you, and she's still annoyed at you, and she's telling you she's okay, but she's still slamming doors, <laughs> and she's still throwing a cereal at the kids. And you still got to remember why are we fected again? We've let the sun go down and. This is for John. It's a good night kiss. He's having to address some really difficult stuff when he's coming to the end and he comes. He's wanting to assure the church of a few things. Clarity within the mystery. Maybe some of this you need to hear this morning. Reading for verse 11. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I, am right, I have written this to you. He has given you the reason why he's written this wonderful book. He's written about love. He's written about false prophets. He's written about the world, about the Antichrist. He's written about how to love in action and nay, to hate one another. But he's saying, I've told you all this, I have written this letter to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. He's he written this book since simply to instruct the church. He's not written this book to challenge your behavior. He's saying, I have this is his good night kiss. And it's clear, 
I have written to you that believe in the Son of God is Jesus Christ, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not through your works, not through your changed behavior, not because you love and refuse to hate, not because you can now discern false prophets, not because you're against the spirit of the Antichrist, not because your relationship with the world has changed, but simply by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who is who He says He is, you may know today, this morning, that you have eternal life and your future is secure in Him and you've given to look forward to. That's a good, good night kiss, isn't it? It separates us from most of our religions of the world. Islam. You've got to attain that they would see as heaven by your good works. So your good works has got to outweigh your bad works. And so at Stella, well, we need to wait and see. And because good works is that way, our bad works, and it's written in the Quran that it might be a good thing to destroy the infidels, the unbelievers, because of that, the extremist view is let's strap a vest with a bomb on us and do some damage, and hopefully that'll mark this good work better than I'm a bad work, so I'll get to this place called paradise, which has got to be really good. But still, I wait and see. Buddhists, they believe in nirvana. Neither band, are you Kurt Cobain lovers, one of the big grungers. You reach nirvana by going through this life Actually, and they want to reach nirvana, it's about destroying your own ego. So by the destruction of your own ego and your own pride, you enter a state of nirvana. But still, I'll wait and see if that's happened until you die. Hindus, like most Eastern religions, then I believe simply in dying and going to a place called paradise or heaven. It is continual cycles of reincarnation. But if you do good and your good things outweigh the bad things you do, you'll be reincarnated as something good, like a great white shark or something. But if your bad things outweigh your good things and you'll be reincarnated as something really weird and really bad, like a little ant or a a little dung beetle that's got to just scatter a boot and dung the rest of your day until you do more good stuff and then hopefully get reincarnated. But it's a wait and see. There's no surety about it. There's no kiss good night. But for the Christian that believes that Jesus is the Son of God, John says, you can be sure that you have eternal life. And no matter if it happens in this life, no matter if it you go through or if the enemy tries to tell you that you are heaven bound forevermore, living in a continual relationship and expectation, I hope, until you see him face to face. People caught the surety of salvation. 
no matter if you're having a good day or a bad day, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John's final goodnight kiss, you can be sure that heaven, it's near, wait and see if it happens. It's near, hopefully if I die, the good things I deal out with, the bad stuff that I do, and I'll get into paradise, I'll get into heaven, I'll meet the Father, I'll get a hero's welcome. John is saying, you could be sure the day that you are heaven bound simply by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Does that give him the hope and hear us morning? Come on, if it was a wait and see, we'd be finished. If it was, if the good things hit that way, the bad things would be finished. It goes back to John 1 John chapter 1, when Jesus says he paid the price for I, your son. He became the advocate between you and the Father, and by his stripes we are healed and we are forgiven. It's because of Jesus. And because it's because of him and he doesn't change his mind, if you believe in him, then you can be sure that eternal life is yours. And there's something I'm hoping for once I die, but I can rejoice the day I'm saved. And the whole world is looking for answers to deal with eternal life, reincarnation, good out where it's bad. But the Christian can rise up with a voice a day, I don't need to wait. I don't need to see if my good out where's my bad. I'm saved the day. And when I'm in heaven for our eternity in a thousand years' time, I'm no more saved then than I am now. I'm saved the day. Bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Fully saved. Not because of my greatness, but because of the work of Calvary. His spotless shed blood for all my sin. And you're maybe here this morning, you dive in belief for I am sin. Surely you want assuredly your salvation that you can for you are gone. This is no wishful thinking. This is not just living on a wing of a prayer. This is realizing with the revelation, with the hope, the good night kiss maybe you need this morning is that you're destined for eternity we have because you believe the truth of the gospel. The good night kiss. Clarity in the midst of mystery. In the midst of this mystery of eternal life and confusion, John gives a really clear message by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Eternal life is yours. And then he goes on, verse 14, another good night cast, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we will also know that he will give us whatever we ask for. The mystery of prayer. Has anybody worked out the life of prayer yet? Nobody. We're on a journey, aren't we? With this subject called prayer and fellowship with Jesus. I've heard many sermons on it and read many books. But I would say if you were to read 1,000 books on prayer, it still wouldn't explain it fully. And so John is trying to bring clarity in some mystery. And he gives us an assurance or 
he will do what we ask when it pleases him, which sounds really clear, but has Omdi ever had an unanswered prayer? It just didn't work out the way you thought. We try and work it out. So if it is it John means, it sounds like what Jesus was saying, ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. But we can, as we live through this life, that maybe John had presumed that the church would know about God's sovereign will, that he's in charge. And prayer isn't us trying to twist God's arm to try and do something that he really doesn't want to do. It's us coming into alignment with our relationship with him, yet he is sovereign. And I was doing a study on prayer, and I was wondering if only men or women of God through the Bible just didn't get answers to prayer. And there certainly is. We had David that God had already said through his son that he's through his son that his son would die. And it says he went in at a time of prayer and fasting, pleading for the child. Yet the child passed away. So far as that and this, it's a mystery to me why God didn't just answer that prayer. He had Jeremiah during a time of Israel's son that God had said, look, the Babylonians are coming against you and they're bringing judgment because of your rebellion. And Jeremiah, this great intercessor, went into a time of intercession, praying on behalf of the people day and night. And then God shows up and says, hey, judgment is coming. Stop praying for them. Maybe it was because he was aligning himself more with people that was rebelling against God than God himself. He said, it's going to happen. It's a mystery of prayer. Didn't they always, our prayers get answered? They had Moses. One of the most tragic stories was Moses, this great deliverer, a man of God, and it says he had seen God face to face, person intimately in relationship with the Father, heading towards a promised land with the Israelites. And he's seen the promised land for a distance, but in a moment of anger, he rebelled against God and struck the rock with his staff in anger. And God says, hey, you're not going to reach the promised land. He was like, please, please, I want to reach the promised land. He didn't get to see the promised land. He rested and died. Out with the circumference of Canaan. But yet, did he reach the promised land? Because maybe the promised land was heaven. And then maybe he did another way. That when Jesus was on a mountain of transfiguration, praying to the Father, far showed up, Elijah and and then Moses' feet touched the promised land. And you think, what's well, if Moses prayed for it, what it did now, but it was, I had not yet. But it's a mystery of prayer. And nobody's got 100% assured that every prayer that we do is answered. They're answered in his why and his will. And so you study prayer and you see, ah, oh, this avenue's off of prayer. They've got Jesus that says, when you pray, Go into the secret place, close the door. He doesn't even need to say much stuff. He already knows what you need before you even ask. He's like, keep it short. And the Father who sees even what is done in secret knows where you're praying. He's going to bless you. And he said, well, Jesus, was you not really into prayer meetings as a church then? But he's not saying he was not into that. He was saying that 
prayer is intimate between you and the Heavenly Father. Their prayer life is not just about coming to church and praying in public, but we should continue to pray as a church, absolutely, because for two or three are gathered. He's there in the midst. And if you agree on earth with another brother and sister, it is done in heavenly places. In the mail, you study prayer. In the mail, you've got questions about prayer, about the formula, about the strategy and different people, these strategies. Well, first start with confession and then prayers and then you go on to petition and fit you really want. And if that works for you, that's great. Pentecostals, we have maybe more free-flowing prayer, spontaneous, but some other denominations, they pray through books. I've got to say, there's no right and there's no wrong. There could be anointing on the book, and if that's your relationship with the Lord, that's great. If it's more spontaneous, that's amazing. If you pray every morning at six o'clock before the day starts, and that's your thing, hallelujah. But if the morning is just near your time, and you're at six o'clock in the evening, nine o'clock in the evening, if that's your time, hallelujah, maybe you haven't even got a time, you just pray spontaneously, and you're praying more than Abdi else that prays during times. You pray more than Abdi, and you just do it as you walk your daily life. Questions on prayer. Jesus says, Dinner, spend too long on fit words, you. But I tell you, I'm grateful for the amazing written prayers that are through the Old Testament. Some of them look to be lengthy. The prayers of David, Solomon as he dedicated the temple, Moses as he went in and escaped through Egypt as they came to the other side. Or the Red Sea, prayers, worship, details. We've got the record on them. But we're always looking for a formula, and maybe with prayer you've just to say, there's no formula. And spontaneity within a prayer life. Sometimes we get answers to prayers, and we can, well, that pleased him. That's why we got the answer. But other times we have sat at that bedside pleading with God just to do something miraculous. And even when they're saved and you kind of got in a better place, you think, come on, God, surely this pleases you. Surely this would please you, and nothing seems to happen. The mystery of prayer. And they say, now this to confuse us. Sometimes it's many words. I was reading the life of little Samuel. And he came through a prayer that didn't have words. Hannah went to the priest, completely disappointed with life. She was barren up until that point. And the person she did life, he was just having kids left, right, and center. And so she felt cursed. And so at the, before in the temple, she started pleading without words. Just a spirit that was in total anguish and despair. And the priest was like, have you been drinking? She said, no. Just please, if I could have a kid, I'll get back to the Lord. That was our prayer, short prayer. And then she got a kid called Samuel that was going to become a prophet to a whole nation. And she gave him up to the temple 
to serve in the temple. And he became a light to Israel. So a prayer with very little words. And they try to confuse you. They're saying it's still a mystery to me, the avenue of prayer. Sometimes I go into a time of prayer and I've got my last and I've seen a prayer chart and it's like, come on. We need to get through this. We need to claim victory in the name of Jesus. I bide a prayer time on Tuesday doing stairs and I hid my stuff before I went in. But I couldn't really think of it to say. If I'd been like that, I thought, I give it to say. In the prayer I maybe lasted an hour, but I had two or three words. I was just aware that I was in the presence of Jesus and it was a be still in no moment. It was just holy without much words. Just this an awareness that God was there. And the Apostle Paul seems to agree. He says, sometimes we do not care fit to pray for. Do you always care fit to pray for? Always, do you? Sometimes I have an idea really fit to pray for. It doesn't mean that I care about people. There's people I can that are not saved that I don't really bothered if they get saved or on a mail. just I really can't fit to pray for sometimes. Apostle Paul says, if you, I can't fit to pray for. He says, the Holy Spirit within you will start praying with moans and groans. The words are not enough. The, the Holy Spirit starts interceding through you. So it looks to me, so Paul as well, was not really sure fit to pray for sometimes. Do we just do the beauty pageant thing and just pray for world, world peace and prosperity for Abdi? Now that's not needs, but sometimes you just, God's not Santa, is he? You're not. Just got a fire request to him and he's just got a deal. It's now he's twisting his arm. It's about coming into an intimate relationship. And spontaneity is pretty good in a relationship. Silence is sometimes good in a relationship. If I've got a long car drive, Isabel's the best person to be sitting next to me. Because if it's somebody I didn't really can, so well, something I do can so well. Fucking, you just gotta keep speaking, haven't you? Like silence can be droll. So it's four or five hours. You have to think of stuff to say, and then you turn up and you're just shard. I've just spoken for five hours. <laughs> but for Isabel, sir, we've got the gift of being silent. And he says you can defeat you once. I can be silent because like, you've got an intimate relationship that's cool to speak. It's cool to be silent. So sometimes we, Jesus, it's okay to be silent. It's okay to sit and be confused. But to sit and know that he is weird. It's okay to go on with your last. It's okay to read prayers. It's okay to shout. Somebody says, you don't need to shout because he's not hard of hearing. But he doesn't get intimidated either. You can shout, you can praise, you can be quick, you can be long. You can be all these things in a relationship with Jesus. And if one thing calls marriages, it's pure boredom. I still jump out of cupboards with Isabel. <laughs> just, Ken, if you just walking up the same day, with, the same time as somebody, you both go to work, you come back, you don't really speak, you don't ask how each other is, the food's on the table, 
you're going to watch the same Netflix box set, you're working through it, you start at the same time, you end at the same time, then it's good, good night. And you might still be chums by that point. But you could be boring. Because you're just doing the same thing, and it's just routine. Sometimes you've just to just jump out and go, ah! <laughs> do something different. Then I do Netflix, get a board game out. Then I play Monopoly. <laughs> then you have to ask for forgiveness before you're closed. But spontaneity is a great thing. It's a gift, and you can just be with each other, and there's no, just a set routine. Okay. So fit is the good night kiss here. Fit is the mystery. Fit is the clarity within the mystery. And I think he sets out quite well. And didn't miss this, because we mark prayer about us asking for stuff, God doing something, and it's up to him. Listen to this. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything. And he says again in verse 15, since we know that he hears us when we make our requests. Sometimes we miss the absolute miracle of that because we think prayers about requests. It's this. The greatest miracle is near always what God does through us speaking to him. It's a great miracle that God the Father, this holy, pure God, will hear us in our requests. It's an amazing good night kiss to can forever I say, the King of Kings, I've got his ear. That is powerful. It means I could come with him with troubles and trials, with burdens, with aches, with pains, in a joyous mood, and I could come in a bad mood. I come as I am, and it says, he hears us. He hears us. He's there, and he hears us. Whether you're in church, whether you're in a car, whether you're playing, he hears you. And as I was studying, like, fair ways to meet a king in the Old Testament, it was pretty severe. Queen Esther, like, this is her husband, is king. And they're gone through a trial, and Mordecai was like, Queen Esther was a Jew. There was a lot of being an annihilation of the Jewish people. And Mordecai says to Queen Esther, look, you need to approach the king in this. And she's like, well, he has now summoned my, this is husband, wife. And Mordecai was a bit like Ivan Drago in Rocky. He was like, if you die, you die. So if you die, that's just the price that's to be paid, but you need to approach him on us. And maybe you've been called for such a time as this to save the Jewish people. This, she couldn't have just rock up to her husband, pull up a chair, put the Dolce Gusto on, get the digestives and crackers out and cheese and just sit and yap about life. She had to be summoned by her husband that was king. And as she approached him, she had to look for this thing called the golden scepter. And if he put forward to her, this only meant this thing. Come on, I'll speak to you. This was for it was to meet a king. You had to be invited in. 
And if you approached a king in a bad day, you could get beheaded. And this is King Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the great I am, that John is saying, you can speak to, and he will listen. The golden scepter is towards you. It's a miracle. And it's now that the great I am has then become a commoner, and he's as common as you and me, and he's just, oh, Jesus is my homie. It's not stuff like that. He's, John has went to great pains to say he has changed our position in God, that he is still holy, he's still pure, and if you're coming in, you're coming out of the holy of holies, but he's made you a new nation, nation of priesthoods, and we ain't around only because of the blood of Jesus that's made us right with him, and we can come in and ask him anything, and he will listen. Isn't that a miracle? It doesn't matter if he does after that. That's up to him. If he wants to answer my prayers and heal somebody, if he wants, you've got a greater plan than I can see, which is often the case. But never move away from this one thing, church, that prayer is a miracle in itself, that you would speak and he would listen. That's to be honored. That's humbling. That's exciting. That fills my fear and trembling but to Ken that we will speak and he will listen. Clarity. He's clear on us. It's not ifs, it's not buts, it's not maybes, it's not I have to kill a sheep first. It's John Yeshua. You speak, the golden scepter is raised towards you and he will listen to anything you have got to say. There's nothing he's going to agree with you. He's not saying he's got a defeat he's going, you're going to say. But you've got his ear. Okay. I want to close this very soon. I can hear the bellies rumble for your dinner. I thought it was an earthquake. <laughs> I'm just going to almost read it as it is and be major on one point. If you see a Christian, brother or sister, we have been through this they got a major on us, but this is his final words. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, this was quite confusing. I'm not going to explain. I searched a lot of commentaries to see if the sin that led to death was, and it's really unclear, so I'm not going to try and speak about stuff I ain't got a clue about. It does not lead to death. You should pray. God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I don't care if on about and I am not saying you should pray for those who commit all wicked actions or sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children, we have covered us, do not make a practice of sinning. God's son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Isn't that a good night kiss? Them that believe that Jesus is the son of God, it says, in the palm of God's hand, is you. Not just that he hears you, but you're in his hand. And the evil one, this is a clarity within the mystery, the evil one cannot touch you. Does that mean there's no battle? Does that mean that there's no demons? Does that mean that you're not tempted or succumb to temptation? And they say, no, what? But he said, be sure of this, that if you're a Christian, 
that you hold you and the devil can't do nothing with you. It's amazing, isn't it? As you ponder that, I liken it, see if you get like a, a butterfly or a ladybird and you just hide it. And if I was about to come and try and get it, you'll swat it away. A big vulture comes to try and get the ladybird. Somebody's got to correct me after this, saying that vultures don't eat ladybirds. <laughs> a bird. <laughs> Tries to swoop. You got it. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. And you'll protect it. And God say, you're in my hands. And I'm going to protect you. And because you got saved, not because of your behavior, it's through grace. Because the hell dividing line is, of course, and there's been many debates around this subject. Once saved, always saved. Can you lose your salvation? That's a question, isn't it? I'm not going to give you the answer. I'll just leave you with another question. Because can you lose your salvation means that you gained your salvation, but Christ gained your salvation. Maybe the question would be, could God the Father lose your, his children? Because it's his salvation. That's a question. Can the father lose one of his kids? Jesus said, I lost one that you gave me, apart from the one doomed to destruction. question is about Judas. Did he maybe didn't even really believe Jesus was the son of God? If he did, he wouldn't have did what he did. But I rest in that promise that forever I go through in life, it is simply he has allowed it in for some reason. But I'm in his hands. So if I fall on my knees or I go through a trial, I'm not out of God's hands. I'm not out of God's hands into the devil's hands. I'm not out of God's hands into the world's hands. I'm not out of his hands into my own hands. I'm still within the hands of a sovereign, mighty God. I think that's a good, good night cast to you. To be found where the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God and the world around us is under the control of the evil one. We have stressed already how our relationship with the world changes. We know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding so that we know the true God. We ask the worship band to come up. We just bring in that to a close. And now we live in fellowship. He has stressed time and time again. We live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God. He is eternal life. The Apostle Paul usually ends his letters with greetings and pass on my greetings to such and such. But here John, after all that affirmation, he said, the cast good night. He says, you should know, you should know, you should know. You should know you've got eternal life. You should know that he hears you and he'll, whatever you ask, he will do. And you should know that you're in the hands of God and the evil one cannot touch you. And it's like he gets a good night kiss and then he walks out and he just pops his head back in. Because it's like a little added on, but he says, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Other affirmation, and then he just pops his head back and right, child, just, just watch how you live. 
Just make sure nothing in this planet takes God's place in your heart. Not for God's benefit, but for the benefit of how you live through this life. And a good father will always add on a little bit of love, love, love. Watch for your doing, for honest sake. And that's how he ends. Let's stand. We've got to take up our offerings. Hope you've enjoyed going through this. We will discuss it in house churches. And then we'll spend a few weeks just really giving thanks to what God has done through this year. I'm looking forward with some tweety tweety vision before we really get into the nativity stuff. But let's lay our lives before him. You maybe just need that assurance in John after all this teaching on Jesus and the cross, if it is for him to be an advocate, if it is to discern false prophets, for real prophets, the spirit of the Antichrist, the difference between the church and the world, the difference for it is to love people in action, that no hatred should come within the brotherhood of believers, the brothers and sisters, we should be marked by love and victory. Just once you to never leave this place without knowing some clear things. And I'm just going to pray that for he has said through the Holy Spirit that we would leave here with an assurance. And maybe you're not saved here this morning that Christ is here to save you. It doesn't matter what you have done previously. It could be the worst or the best of sinners. You don't need to try and be good. Christ accepts you as you are because of your belief and trust in him. And if that is you, I'm going to ask to put up hands to see me at the end. You don't want to leave here without an assurance of salvation. You have, there's a lot of things in life you will decide. You're never going to decide for time or how you're going to go for this world on to the next. With every other religion, it's a wait and see. I'm telling you, even the atheists, it's a wait and see. Well, just die and go to the dust. Well, you could be wrong, and if you're wrong, you're horribly wrong, but you're not going to ken you're wrong until it's too late. And John says, you can know the day eternal life is yours. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, see me at the end. Jesus, we put our lives before you. You're a wonder-working God that sets you to give us instruction and assurances. And I pray for the assurance of the Holy Spirit sent for heaven to help us and to glorify Jesus. Everybody would leave here with a sense of assurance or salvation. The name of it they're gone through, if it they will go through, or if it is waiting for them in the office tomorrow or morning, that they're heaven-bound. And Jesus, we thank you for a wonderful time in your presence today. God, even as I'm standing here, I'm now speaking to the people. Thank you for the gift that I can speak to you. That through the blood of Jesus, you invite us in to the holy of holies, the inner courts, to hear your heartbeat. And sometimes we speak too long and sometimes we be too silent. But God, help us in the avenue, the mystery of prayer that we would be clear that every word that we speak towards you, you acknowledge.
Jesus, we thank you that we are found in the palm of King Jesus' hands. It's safe and secure. God, we go through our temptations and trials, but we do it through the sovereign will and the sovereign hand, Almighty God. And we pray that you keep us safe in your hands, Jesus. Cause us to prosper. In Jesus' name, God, let us live our lives with the only thing taking your place in our hearts. And even as we worship, take up our offerings, God, may our Holy Spirit confirm everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's glorify his name. Was blind, but now I 